special broadcast, the special episode of the Dare Real Agile podcast on everything and nobody wants to talk about business agility and conscious leadership and and everything that should make us evolve. Yes, evolution over transformation. This is my 2022 motivation to explore to uncover new ways to continuously improve the way we serve our client and business our client as individual of their professional development i'm your host uh, alexandre frederic joli aka coach f from the agile lounge for business agility which is a program the next level agility where we'd like to bring you to go beyond really to go beyond to go outside the box to be a disruptive a disruptor of your market of your industry are you with me I would like to thank right now we're approaching 5,000 subscribers all across the platform. So let me do a quick update before we go into this uh, broadcasting. This is a special episode here in the middle of April for just in time for Easter or Passover or while in the Ramadan because I'm thinking of everyone. This is the real inclusion here. So I know my listeners are from all around the world. India, Brazil, Mexico, United States, Germany, a lot of people in Northern Europe, including Scandinavia and Finland. And I don't know if my uh, Russian uh, Scrum Master are still able to listen to me. Uh, because for me, I've got empathy for every human being because uh, every one of us are, aren't responsible for our leaders, or they are leaders, by the way. And uh, this is the subject of today. It was supposed to be about agile to agility, about business agility, about agile, this mindset that we are uh, co-opting into framework practice, the tyranny of framework practice. Uh, that is in the age of the imposition right now and we are going to see uh, with uh, Jim Verkus, an innovator and an ex-Silicon Valley entrepreneur, um, Antonio uh, Singleton, uh, a great Scrum educator and a scholar uh, using Scrum as, as long as I am for the last 20-25 years like me. Of course the giant of Scrum, Daniel Mizik, a great friend of Jeff Shutterland, the co-creator of Scrum. He will be with us for the fourth time I think on the Dairy Agile, but we, you love him, right? So a great talk here. And uh, we will have also my sister of Enterprise Scrum from uh, New York, Manhattan, Suryu of AHA Autonomy. So great bunch. And we did record it live uh, from the Devil Diner Bar here in downtown Montreal, Quebec, Canada for the 16 Scrum Beer. So it was an hybrid 
event and I was very pleased to have about 10 people in person uh, eating, drinking and uh, talking about coaching. Yes, uh, finally the topic were more in the in-person they want to talk about what is coaching versus consultancy. So that was great uh, to exchange with the new newcomer uh, from uh, the uh, meetup and the uh, user group from Scrum Alliance. Uh, so thanks everyone who came. Thanks everyone for your tips. And again, we're almost reaching 5,000 here on multi-platform. We are on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, and more. Uh, so I can't wait to uh, to see the evolution. We're going to actually, this April, it's uh, our second anniversary of the Dairy Agile Podcast. Uh, the six years anniversary of the Agile Lounge uh, Workshop uh, in Manhattan, and Montreal, and Austin, and Phoenix. Uh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I'm so optimistic also about the future. And I think uh, it will be up to us to uh, to get rid of this imposition of the tyranny of framework. And as you will hear in the next hour with our guests, uh, they even came up to the uh, conclusion that the age of imposition is not just about this agile movement, this agile mindset that should help us take decision to improve the way we work together and everything. It's about also the uh, civil governance and society. So stay with us, stay with us, because after this, we are going to to uh, broadcast this uh, amazing episode with four interesting and amazing people. And in the description of the podcast, uh, you will be able to have link to those people, at least on LinkedIn. So enjoy the show. Stay with us. Welcome, amazing and beautiful people, lovers of business, agility, and scrum all the way. This is your host, Coach AF, from the Dare Real Agile podcast, live at the Devil Banner Bar, Southwest American Cuisine, by the way, uh, from Montreal for the Scrum Beer number 16. I'm surrendered by amazing people, the giant of scrum, Daniel Mizik. I have Antonio M.K. Singleton, a great uh, scrum educator and more. We have Jim Verkis with us. He's an innovator. I call him the Innovector. And Suryu, my business agility enterprise scrum sister that I miss so much. Thank you so much for being there to talk about this uh, age of imposition and agility. Hold on a second. Excuse me. Is it? Are they part of the scrum beer? Okay. So, my, my, sorry guys, because as you know, I'm live and it's an hybrid event. And I was seeing like uh, people that I don't recognize from uh, because, uh, well, anyways, 
let's have fun. It's really early. So, without further ado, um, as you know, it's a round table. It's unscripted with the Daryl Agile, and uh, we just talked about all things business agility. And I think, I don't know if you're like me, uh, ladies and gentlemen, but there's a lot of uh, paper on Medium, people on LinkedIn exchanging about things uh, such as uh, uh, we feel imposed, especially developers, designer, workers, they feel that they are imposed the framework to work with. And a lot of people seem to be afraid of Agile uh, or they do they know what is Agile? So just like maybe before going in the art of the subject, maybe a little roundtable for people who don't know you. So, uh, so uh Let's start with, I don't know, the ladies first, right? <laughs> Stu? Is she's there? Sue, are you with us? That's a picture. Yeah. <laughs> so Manhattan, New York. I think she, uh, her network may be having a few issues. Yeah. Whoops. Okay, so she'll come back, I'm sure. Sorry about that. Just the experience <laughs> right. of life unscripted. So uh, let's go with uh, with Jim on my left. Jim, who are you and what do you do and what, is, what bring you to uh, Business Agility or Scrum? What's your story? Uh, well, I'm a big fan of uh, agile companies and I don't see a lot of them around. So my background is uh, Silicon Valley startups and... Uh, now, when I went from Silicon Valley startups to bigger companies, like the culture shock of doing that was worse than when I went when I moved from America to Japan. Like that was nothing compared to you know, going from a startup to a big company. And uh, and so I spent my career trying to to flip that around a little bit and, and bring more of the kind of entrepreneurial energy agility. And so this is a topic very close to my heart. Excellent. And you, Antonio, I know we've met at Agile Boston. Uh, the give thanks to Scrum. That was amazing. Yes. So what's your story with uh, this movement of Agile? And, and Well, my real, name, my real name is Daniel Mezik. I really <laughs> live in a, in a town called Guilford, Connecticut. And uh, what I do for a living is I cause trouble. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's my kind of trouble. I'm a troublemaker, the good kind of trouble. Um, here's what's going on. The Agile industry and the Agile community has utterly failed executives. Executives are clueless. The engagement of the people is essential. Thank you. Executives are clueless that you can't force this stuff and make it work. Executives are, by no fault of their own, ignorant about the dynamics of um, human engagement uh, as it applies to organizational change. And the reason why is because the agile industry has not taught them anything about this at all. Okay, so it's not the executives that are the bad guys. It's the agile industry itself, which has not focused on opt-in participation, human agency, human engagement, uh, in the humanity of the thing, instead has converted transformations into transactions. Okay, so uh, we're all responsible for this collectively, uh, especially me. So there's no <laughs> okay, I agree. Why is actually you? What have you done? Why? Why you say that? 
before going back to Sue. Well, well, let's get everyone else introduced first, then we'll come back around, okay? Okay. <laughs> Welcome back. You, you, yeah, I know. I, I, you know, my speed wasn't really great, so I switched because, uh, yeah, it should be better now. Oh, yeah, it seems. Uh, so, are we talking about why uh, Azal is failing? At I, this I, was point? Asking, I was asking the, everybody uh, before you freeze, uh, mm -hmm. just to tell us uh, a quick story of uh, you, who are mm -hmm. you and the Agile, just to get us started. And then we'll, oh, yeah. I thought we were we were we were pitching about why Agile is not working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but because you know Daniel, he already uh, in the top of the subject, and he's even accusing himself he's responsible for this age of imposition. But we'll we'll come back to it later. But yeah, yeah, you know, uh, tell my audience and everyone who are you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I just said uh, uh, Sue, <laughs> and I've been in this space. I guess. Uh, you know, you could, uh, you could say 20 years or 10 years, depending on how you look at it. But I got into this space because it makes a lot of sense, right? But it, it's very difficult to implement. I, I think the most, the, the major problem that I see uh, is the fact that people think that once you get two-day training, you can go out and do the coaching. Right, and and then industry was so bombarded with so many people just doing the training, 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 and then just have someone else do the coaching. And but it, it is not something that you can just have a two-day class and do it. And people, a lot of people made so much money doing the training, and people still trying to push the certification, 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 and and that's not the solution because it's a, a lot more sophisticated. And I think the reason that I think that it, it fails a lot is that people are trying to see what that one way is always one size fits all. Like people say, Scrum is great. Everybody yeah. does Scrum, right? No matter what you do. So I mean, I am actually very happy to some degree that after ten years, right, more or less, people kind of trying to figuring it out that. What we've been doing so far, it doesn't work. And you really hear this when you go to the development side, not the, among the coaches. So what I have, I and mean, then like not these days, but like you know, because I live close to New York, I'm gonna stop now. I'm gonna have. I, have, I, I love my enterprise crown family. You see, uh, Jim and Antonio, these guys, we are from from the same kind. Like, if if we start talking, that's it. So I try to be. I know. Uh, yeah, we just get funny. pumped up. <laughs> Okay. I mean, like, I, but I don't want to be a moderator. I'm gonna. It's, it's cross talk, huh? By the way, when we're gonna, yeah, 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 yeah. Be in a, it's gonna be cross talk, uh, kind of the spirit of it. So, Antonio, who are you? Well, um, thank you, Alex. Um, I appreciate that. I am an individual who's very passionate about helping others. And can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm very passionate about helping others, and I was introduced to Scrum. Um, a couple of decades ago. Well, yeah, a couple of decades ago. And what I like about it is, you know, in the, in the industry and technology, we're expected to know things. And a lot of times we don't know. And what being adaptive is about is it's okay to make mistakes. And as you hear, fail the first attempt at learning. And Scrum, Agile, Combine, I mean, anything under Agile, where you're talking about Combine, you're talking about Scrum, XP, regardless of what it is, it's okay to make mistakes and to adapt. 
That is what it's about. It's simple, but we tend to make it more difficult than what it has to be. And I think that's where we miss the mark, and that's where the frustration comes in. So many individuals say it has to be, as, as Sue had mentioned earlier, it has to be this particular way. <laughs> a lot of times we want to take this square peg and push it through a round hole. But we need to communicate with one another and figure out what it is we we're trying to accomplish. And when we do that and we relate to one another, that is when we can actually have some great change. Excellent. Mr. Mizik, yes. you know that people have seen a picture of us on one of our last uh, podcasts and they call us, uh, you know, the French uh, comic book Asterix and Obelix. I was probably a Willis when you were a Willis with your mustache. So how could you say that a giant of Scrum like you, a good friend of the co-creators and stuff, and how could you say that you're responsible for it? And, and we are all responsible mm. of imposing Agile or imposing the tyranny of framework. Tell me more about that. And anyone, you could jump. It's crosstalk. It's a conversation again. Yeah. So back in um, 2010, 2011, I was coaching and um, I, I thought I was getting pretty good at it. I'd been doing it since 2006 and I was working in this one, one uh, company had seven or eight teams. And I thought I was doing the best work of my life. Everything was great. And I went outside, I went to lunch. Uh, the sun was out. I went out to the food truck. I got myself a taco and enjoyed the sun. And then I went back into the, the, the building where I'm coaching these seven or eight teams in Boston. And I went in the men's washroom and I washed my hands. And uh, this, uh, this Russian architect guy named Anatoly also entered the, the men's washroom. I remember that story. Great story. Go yeah. Yeah. People will love it. And I said, Anatoly, how's it going? And he, he in a thick Russian accent, he said to me, uh, oh, you want to know how it's going with me? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he goes, Agile sucks. And so do you. Just like that. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, wow. just like that. And I, I asked him why, and he said, "No one gives a shit what I think. Nobody. I have ideas. Nobody cares what they are. Nobody's asked me anything about this. I just have to do these stupid practices and shut up. And that's basically what this is about. And you're a big part of that, Daniel. So have a nice day. And then he <laughs> he took the, the the paper towel and he flung it in the trash very very precisely. As he said, have a nice day. And he walked out and he left me there. Uh, the door kind of closed behind him. It was me alone in the washroom, looking in the mirror, wondering what just happened. And I realized that I was party to an imposed agile uh, change that this guy wanted to say something about and nobody ever asked him. And that's when I realized that uh, it took me about three days to figure out what, what he was talking about. That's how Daniel Mezik became uh, Daniel Mezik, huh? That's, that was the day. That's so, awesome. So we're all party to that, and I myself was ignorant of what I was actually doing there, which was imposing Agile on people without their consent, assuming that everyone thinks it's great. Well, guess what? Everyone does not think it's great. Uh, and Anatoly let me know it. And after that, I started to look for ways to uh, stop doing this and engage people, and I ended up... Uh, doing things around open space technology and, and writing books about that and doing experiences in large companies with open space, sometimes up to 600, 700 people. 
And, uh, you know, that's my story. And I, again, I'm going to say, I think executives are ignorant through no fault of their own. The industry has failed them. And if you want any more proof of this, just go to the learning objectives of the agile leadership classes. There is nothing about engaging people, nothing about engaging people in the, in the uh, agile leadership courses. That's a crime. Right. Yes, I, I remember. I remember when you called out uh, this winter, uh, Scrum Alliance, Agile Alliance, IC Agile. They they are certified people, and there's nothing about not even like executive coaching or how to engage leadership to have a more like. And you know, because a lot of people say, oh, it's a waste of time. Anyways, they already made the decision, but we have to turn back to the decision rights, right? That's right. Yeah, I don't mean to cut you, so... No, no, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Can we justify saying that we should do so hard, right? So first, we show them how, what it is, right? And then they do it, and then they change it, right? So, so we justify saying things like that. So, I, I, again, what I really struggle with is the fact that There's no such a thing as one size fits all. Exactly. It, depends, it depends on the circumstances. It depends on what their needs are. And it depends on what kind of product and services teams are building. So many variables. But what we did was that, oh, the, they want Scrum? Okay, Scrum is done this way, right? And then and they, we just push it there. So we did impose yeah. in the name of doing shuhari. We justify it as well. Just right. like religion, right? <laughs> there's, you know, there's should, it only be, should it be like, uh, because me, I don't believe in agile transformation. Mm. And, uh, and right now my thinking is we should go back to evolution And evolution, it's like, it could be anyways. And we don't even like, me, I'm surprised, especially for those who would like to use Scrum as a system, because I see it more as a system that you could create patterns and framework adapted to your uh, life cycle, your product development or management, your customer segment and everything. So I, I don't understand why people don't even think of of it as a, either a digital transformation, either a product development, and then you could use the system to make an agreement with the team on any process, uh, a value stream process type of things. I don't know. It will be more inviting, isn't it? If we, if we ask people and... Uh, I, think, I think that the true way of dealing with a lot of this thing is that a great coach should be able to figure it out or kind of help them to see what would work right and 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 try it and then move on yeah. so but that's not how we were doing it because i think that scrum was it sounds simple so everybody kind of understood it very easily But one fallacy with the Scrum itself, the way I have seen with my experience, 
the major fallacy is is when you're trying to expand, when you're trying to introduce Scrum to more than one team, building one product or services, because you you have a dependency, right? And how do you deal with that dependency? It becomes a major headache and becomes a roadblock of or a lot of principles that we have in Scrum and Agile. Are you wondering? Uh, I wonder, and I would like to hear other people about this, but dependency mm. and capacity of people doing things, classical project management or the agile way, or even with lean systems, like, it doesn't matter. If they don't want to do something, they will create dependency. I've seen it myself. Right. Whatever you adapt, like even the Prince 2 type of project management was more tailored to apparently the uh, kind of a value stream of uh, customer experience. They, they don't care if they're not engaged. So they will they will create dependency and they every mm. time I see an engineer coming to me saying like, oh, you know, this is a legacy system and we yes. cannot put your environment into this and now they create dependency because they don't want to do the work. They don't want to have a definition of them. They don't want to agree on, on delivering something. That's just one of my experience. So I, I don't know about the others, if you experience it sometimes, where people create dependency, which is problem, impediment, and, and, and Scrum should be there. We should have the courage and uh, the uh, availability and being committed to remove those impediments. That's the art of being agile. Transform the uh, agile adjective by flexible. So being flexible, it's me like, I don't care about your process of my developer using your staging uh, environment platform. We should make it happen because they need it. And they promised to Jim, the product owner, that we're going to deliver something shippable in two weeks. I don't know. So, dependency, uh, does it exist for real or sometimes they just created it, whatever the system is? I, I, I think that, uh, you know, anytime that if you are, no matter what you call yourself, a, a, an agile coach or a manager or anybody else, a leader, a visionary, if you feel that you have the power to tell other people what to do, you're already in trouble and you're already kind of failing. And so what I love about working in startups is if you go into a 10-person startup, uh, you've got 10 people who are using their big brains to do what they think is right. They're not just waiting for, you know, to, to have someone tell them what to do. You go into a 1,000-person company, you've got like three people who are making all the big bad decisions and everybody else is kind of waiting for, uh, for the instructions. And I think the reason that, that startups work so well, a good startup, is not about, you know, like a, a visionary leader and a, and a, and a great plan. Uh, the, the best startup founders are actually very humble people who basically mm-hmm. say that, look, we think there's a huge opportunity over here. We don't know exactly how, how to get there, and we don't even know if that's exactly the right spot. It may be a little, you know, to one side or the other. We may have to pivot in a completely different direction, but let's go figure it out as a team. And when you go into a big company, it's all about, you know, we know the, we know what, 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 the, what the future is. We know exactly how to get it. And my big challenge as a leader is to get everybody to basically follow my instructions. And so one of my axioms is that if change is hard, you're doing it wrong. Uh, and, and I really like uh, uh, the author of The Prince. Uh, he was a, an airplane pilot and, and a great philosopher, actually, and uh, Anton Descent. Exploring, and I'm sorry, I don't speak French, and I'm, I know I murdered that but that name. But uh, he said, if uh, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up men to gather wood, divide the work, and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. That's what startups do, and that's what big companies fail at over and over and over again. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think so. How do you inspire? How do you motivate teens and people doing what they do without imposing? Right. That's yeah, the key question. Yeah, this is what Daniel, I think, has spent his, from what I understand, ever since he met that Russian guy mm. in the bathroom, this is what he has done. <laughs> uh, open space technology is, is what it's all about. I like to say, you know, uh, put it out as a call to adventure, not an initiative. Like, right. You know, this is something that, let's do this and, and take initiative and figure out, figure out what it is that you think is the right thing. And one of the great things about working at a startup is that if, if, if I'm the lowest person at, uh, in the company and the, the founder is working on something, I think the guy's screwing it up. I don't like, we don't argue or arm wrestle about it. Like I just start experimenting with, with my approach and start, you know, kind of exploring a different approach. And maybe my approach works better. Maybe his approach works better. Maybe they combine in all kinds of un unforeseen ways. But there's actually a lot of so-called duplication work because people are experimenting with all the different ideas. But if, as soon as you start telling someone to do what to do, it's like a light switch. Just like when you have kids, right? You either are responsible for them getting the homework done or you make them responsible for it. You can't like do both. And, and I think this is the problem we have run into over and over again. Yeah. Well, yeah, same here. Same here, Jim. And I realized in the last seven years, by uh, I didn't know anything about open space technology or I think Michael Orman was the first one who speak to me about it, uh, Sue, if you remember. Like, and uh, I think he knows you, Daniel, because you were a great inspiration for him to create his inviting agility. Uh, I think you wrote a yeah. book on this, Michael. And, and for me, but I used to be, before being a Scrum Master, I was a customer uh, ex experience designer for big call centers and multi-channel and stuff. And one of the things that most of my teammates love, it was the fact that we were gathering together just to, and I was asking them, so what will be the, the flow of our work from taking the requirement from, from the, the client and implicating the user that will going to use the CSM, for instance. Just give you an example like this. So, and uh, I didn't know Scrum back then. I'm, I'm talking about like 25 years ago. I was a young a student uh, working in call centers. They put me in charge of a CRM project. And, but I just like, I was kind of asking people, I didn't use the term inviting yet, but I was asking them, how do you want to work this? Because it's completely new. We don't know how this uh, training software program for uh, the space agency will work. So, and all of a sudden, the engineer says, like, oh, you should be our scrum master. <laughs> and I thought they were saying a toastmaster because I have a loud mouth. <laughs> no, they were really, really. So, so slowly but surely, and of course, the management, the leadership there, they wanted me to be a program manager, not even a project, a program manager. No. And the no. engineer, they say, like, no way, he's going to be our scrum master because he's good. He's asking us, the specialists in design and um, and data and everything, like, oh, we should do this. And so, and then I start reading the book of Ken Schraber and Mike Beadle. Uh, and then I we experiment with Scrum. So for me, I had a good start, not like Antonio, uh, not Antonio, I mean like Daniel, <laughs> when you went to the bathroom. Of course, I have a lot of people, they came into my office crying that, oh, they are using SAFE or Scrum, uh, the imposition, the tyranny of the framework. But that was later. But uh, I, I really love, uh, Daniel, the concept of inviting, invitation, mm -hmm. because it's, it's, I think it's, it's the best way, just not... 
it's it's above business agility. It's above agile. I mean, like it's really the new way of engage people, respect why they are here with us. So, uh, so I'm yeah, thinking, why don't we just why don't we just do some experiments around what people are willing to do? Mm-hmm. And the primary way to do those experiments is to invite them into something that they can understand the goal, the constraints, and how they're going to experience progress, right? It's like, it's like inviting someone to come and apply for a job. Here's what's in it for you. Here's the constraints or the, or the, the boundaries around the thing that we're asking you to do. Um, here's how you'll experience progress as you move through, through the experience. And then what do you say? You know, opt-in participation. So, you know, Harrison Owens says that uh, all systems are self-organizing. What this actually means is that you can't tell the system, you know, the social system, uh, what to do. People do what they're willing to do, and they avoid what they're unwilling to do. Right. So if I'm allergic to you, you know, at a party, I'm going to get as far away from you as I can. You know what I mean? And if if I'm if I'm cool with you and I think you're an interesting person, you know, like Sue, I'm going to follow Sue around. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I needed it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think I think we failed to I think the biggest failure in the agile industry is that we have an educated executive so let's let's discuss what the ideal world would look like okay what does perfection look like in perfection when you go and talk about agile the executives ask you people have to be engaged to do this what is your plan for engaging my people in this process In an ideal world, every executive already knows that it's a failure pattern to force it. Mm -hmm. Okay? But that's not the case today. Why? Because the entire Agile industry is organized around imposition. That's why. Okay? So if you want to look and say who's responsible, we're all responsible because we said nothing and we allowed it to happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ah, now I see. And you know, responsibility or accountability. This is the thing. Like, this is why I don't want. I don't want to bring it back to uh, <laughs> the stone, uh, the stone eight hypothesis of Terence McKenna. But sometimes we are monkeys, very uh, lazy monkeys, and I think this is why we are not taking responsibility for something. And we let go of things, and now we are responsible for the fact that now you don't agree. No, I, I disagree. Um, I, I think everybody wants to do interesting. Everybody wants to solve challenging problems. Everybody wants to make a difference in the world. So again, if, if you know, if change is hard, you're doing it wrong. And this is the one one big thing I believe. Uh, Not everyone wants to make change. Some people just no. want to make a lot of money. What is- no, that, that, that's fine, but if you are. If, if you're trying to change something and, and you can't get anybody to actually move in that direction, then you need to look at what you're trying to change and, and right. maybe there's a reason for that. Right, 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 right. So let's discuss this. Let's discuss the age of imposition. There's a common. The age of imposition is actually evolving us. Yeah, and there's a common thing that I'm hearing 
that everyone stated. It's, and it's in the Agile Manifesto. Collaboration, communication, communicate with one another. That's what it all boils down to. As long whether you're inviting, whether you're talking about we're going to achieve something, you know, it's just about communicating with one another. And that is what you need to do. And once we understand that, once we understand that, how to communicate with one another, that's part of the problem. I mean, that's part of the solution, I should say. Yes, exactly. But that's why I said that sometimes we act like monkeys because monkeys are maybe communicating better than us. But uh, I, I do have faith in humanity. Don't give me an example. Object. You say that monkeys communicate better than us. Give me an example of that because I'm with Jim. I think we all want to do something and we want to achieve. No, but in a sense, in a sense of, because we, we as the human species, we think we are so smart. We think we have, and now we have all these means of communication, and we don't even do what it's in the Agile Manifesto to create a better collaboration. So I agree with you, Antonio. And so that's came back to my point that we are stone apes that try to evolve, but ah, uh, that's too much. Uh, let's let's do it better and something. I don't know. I, I think that we sh we do need to uh, admit what went wrong and I think that what happened was that the simplicity of the scrum framework was very inviting to a lot of people and without really understanding true value of that framework people just followed it and they imposed it so when I was coaching when I see people complaining that there's too many meetings, it's not meetings, it's work. Doing it together, collaboration, right? So when you hear first people saying there's too many meetings, I don't have the time to do my work, that there's a problem. So I, I wanted it to stop the daily stand-up. What's the point of doing the daily stand-up if people feel that it's taking their time away from it? It's just mechanical things because we still came from the mechanical way of doing things, the traditional way of doing things. The people try to do the same way with the scrum, with whatever. And what's really what bothered me the most is that people who don't need the scrum framework, well, using scrum framework, you know, why? Well, it's, it's, I want to come back to the point that Dan, Dan made earlier, Daniel Mezik made. Mm. When we talk about understanding the goal, understanding the rules, mm -hmm. it's, and you said this earlier, Sue, mm -hmm. not every framework is going to work for every situation. So if we're going to use Scrum, then we need to understand those rules, the rules of the game. Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna. This is a perfect time, Dan. Daniel, you'd like to chime in, but you got to understand the rules of the game. But it may not be Scrum for this particular environment that we're working with. It may be Combine. You know, maybe as we said, open space. But you can put open space in just about every situation because Daniel, I'm gonna let you take over because that's your. 
before before he starts, I just want to quit. I just want to let you guys know he wrote a book on rules. <laughs> rule of the games. He wrote a book on rule of the games before he got into open space. Because it's just a game. You should agree on the rules. And, and so it's so rules. funny you wrote it up. So let me let me hear what Dan's going to respond. No, that's not Daniel knows I understand it. You're on mute. I think Daniel, you're on mute. Daniel, you were on mute. What is it? Yeah, what did you say? Take two, because uh, I don't know for which reason, but I'm not on mute. Now oh, you are. Now we can hear you. Yeah. Well, I, I just like to give you all a round of applause. <laughs> There we go. We don't invite yes. people. We don't invite people into the game. Have you ever had? Have you ever been forced into playing a game by like a yeah, little yeah. kid or a friend or something, and you never wanted to? You don't it's play. Not, it. It's not you, fun. You, you, no. You 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 scrap it. You you don't really interact. You don't like exactly. So it's the same. The same. So you know what we have to do first is we have to create. Uh, an invitation that's attractive to people so they give us an unambiguous yes or no. That's right. And, and this, is, this goes beyond agility, okay? Like if you look um, around the world, so for example, in the past two years, if you look at the Google statistics on search terms, you will find that the term mandate had a huge spike in the past year and a half. <laughs> So this is not just an organizational issue. This is a civilization issue. Exactly. Okay. And when you take mandate to extremes, that's called tyranny. Okay. So the good, the good news is that people respond really positively to being asked. In fact, if you studied anything about persuasion, then you already know that the most persuasive thing you can say to someone is that it's up to them. Mm -hmm. There's something very persuasive about this. Go ahead. Is it really up to them? Because I have a question for all of you. Because is it manipulation part of a persuasion? Because when you manipulate yeah. people, you can let them think that, oh, they have a choice. Like, like the mandate, nobody is forced. Nobody is forced to get inoculated. Because we're on YouTube, so I'll be careful about what I'm saying. But in the meantime, we do some other persuasion stuff, like travel ban or what have you. So they kind of, oh, so if I want to still to go visit my family in Europe, I better get this inoculation. So it's, it's become like they impose it in a manipulative way. So they try to persuade you to do something against your will. And, uh, and uh, I, I love it, Daniela, that you bring it up because, yes, Agile, we are all in Agile stuff, and blah, 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 but actually, there's a tendency since probably 2001. That's very curious that the manifesto came in in February in the same year. Uh, we had a big, sad event that start actually this kind of imposition into our liberty and to our way of life right. in the Western world. And now I feel like... Uh, As I said, I had a conversation with people in Eastern Europe uh, yesterday morning, and uh, they literally told me, those people from Bulgaria and Poland, that the West is suicide. It's in the suicide mode right now. 
uh, with what the way they treat uh, what's going on in the world. And uh, I don't know if you saw my prime minister, Mr. Trudeau, today. Uh, it was an empty seat in the European Council. Nobody was there to listen to him. And all the previous uh, MPs, they lash at him because he lectured the people that, oh, Canada is a great democracy and blah, blah, blah. But actually, we are the country with Australia with the most imposition. And imposition is a fancy professional term for tyrannical. Exactly. I will be so, that bold. I'm sorry, I don't want to get too much political. I'm not no, it's not. Going to right and left, but I mean, I, I love it when everyone lash at Trudeau today saying like, you're not here to tell us Eastern Europe countries and Central Europe countries, even a German MPs at the European Parliament says like, who you are to lecture us about democracy and uh, and the rights of uh, people. So, uh, all right, all right. So here, here, let's see that he's been lashed out. Because let's bottom line this whole thing, okay? Justin, Justin Trudeau is an elected official who basically makes decisions for a lot of people. 28% of people elected him last September. 28%. Yeah, that's okay. But he is the decider. Okay. Yeah, so, the in chief. so here's the bottom line. This is the, this is the lesson. How, how decisions are made and who makes them throttles your culture. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when we do top-down mandates, we, great, we, we build a tyrannical culture in an organization. If we invite people into open space and go, here's the problem, how are we going to solve it? You're, you're inviting them to help decide. When you do this, that changes your culture because you're changing the way decisions get made and who makes them. Okay. So this is what organizational change and societal change have in common. If you want to change the culture, change the way decisions are made and who makes them. Okay? So when we bring Agile, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Alex? Yeah. Yes. And, you know, last year I experienced the fact that I was in Mexico. And uh, the way the uh, the official, the public health official were speaking to us, especially in the Yucatan states and the Quintana Roo and the Campeche, they were talking to us as adults. I mean, the Mexican. I'm not. I was an I was a guest there, but a really well treated guest. Not because I'm a blanco. I'm a, they call me the Mexicano blanco. That's okay. But nobody, black, yellow, red, or white, that was not the issue. The issue is most of the officials, starting with AMLO, the president of the Republic of Mexico, was actually addressing the Mexican people and the pandemic measure, not with the word mandate, but with the word suggestion to help your family strive and everything. He was talking to them as responsible adults right. and playing autonomy. Of course, you will tell me, yeah, it's a corrupt country and they don't have money, but that's the point. Every country in the tropic who struggled before the pandemic, they could not go like us completely locked down. But for me, the main message here, if we bring it to agility, and probably it's in the manifesto also, in one of the 12 principles, is to build something together as responsible adults.
we are autonomous and I know Sue, your company, your consulting company is autonomy. I think uh, uh, it's not just, just autonomy, it's aha autonomy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta so, you gotta know aha. You have to have an aha moment of how and important I love, autonomy and I love, is. <laughs> I love that. I love your, your mission and I love also what Danielle uh, when you came to my show last summer you said like uh, if Elvis left the building and everything goes wrong, I mean I think my role as a coach, as a consultant, as a facilitator, is to make sure that when I left the building, I will have speak to them as autonomous people and giving them the tools to make uh, the fishing themselves, to make the boat themselves. What it comes down to is like what Jim said. Okay. Now I said, well, some people just want to make money and have transactions. When Jim said that, what he said about people wanting to, you know, wanted to do great things, but most people want to do legitimately great work with other people. Right. And in a really great way to do that is to, you know, invite people to greatness. Okay. So, uh, I don't know if it was spoken before. I, I think um, it might have been Antonio or, or Sue who, who said it, that, you know, it's not about the practices. It's like, how do we do something legitimately great here? Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. when you call people to greatness, it's an invitation. That's right. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. I, I, I agree. It's, it's like you, you need to actually make it, invite them into something that's exciting, like something that is worth doing. Uh, and if it's something big, people get excited and they're going to take initiative. It's, uh, you know, help me look good as a CEO so that, you know, I can, uh, you know, raise my stock price and, and become wealthier. Uh, we're not as interested in solving those types of problems. Right. So I think it's, uh, you know, it has to be something that feels, that's why I like to say that, it's a call to adventure. You know, don't don't turn it into an initiative where an initiative is all about the management looking good and the management pushing this and the management's ideas. A call to adventure means that you're asking everybody to use their big brains to figure out what they think would be best in this situation. We all know open space technology. Anybody who's ever heard of 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 um, uh, of uh, you know, open source software open source software knows what open space technology is about. Open source software is like the fastest, most nimblest way of doing development are these open source software teams. They don't do stand up scrum meetings every day. They don't like, you know, spend a lot of time, like, you know, kind of formalizing process. They, you know, they figure out exactly who it is that is going to do the best, uh, you know, do the best thing. We're actually seeing this play out in Ukraine. Uh, You know, uh, Russia has a very top down, military and so it's like these generals will have to go up front to try to tell these 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 people who are just uh so used to being told what to do that they have no idea what to do and and so the russians are being picked off like it's hilarious to me uh ukraine has this very kind of decentralized thing and it's like you know if i'm a if i'm a designer like i'm going to design a poster that is kind of inspiring and get people to 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 get involved if i'm a day laborer i'm going to pick up a shovel and maybe i'm going to start digging holes to to put you know dead bodies in if i'm a um you know if i'm a medic then i'm going to i'm going to do that like everybody is using their skills using what they think is best uh kind of figuring out what the situation is again this is what startups do so well that's why when you literally have a 10 person startup you've got more brains going into well, what you're doing than you have in a 1,000 person company where you only have two or three people making all the decisions 
But yeah, you know, now there's the these trans thing, the trendy things. Okay, trendy. So since 2016, because I know uh, Daniel has a great graph about this, like the age of Agile since the manifesto. I don't know if oh, it, yeah. but since 2016, when uh, Dave Thomas started being pissed off that we transform an adjective like Agile into a noun, and now that we sell with fear, uh, you need to transform. And now Steve Dennings, exactly. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me. Uh, here we go. Just, uh, Except it's reversed. Yeah, uh, reversed. Put it upside yeah. down, Danielle. Put it upside down. You need to hold it up to a mirror or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you need to hold it up to a mirror. It's because of the way that video reverses things. Uh, you can mirror the video, too. Yeah. Uh, it's doing that automatically. You know, Tim, that, that's very interesting that you, you brought it up about Ukraine and uh, Russian, uh, because I was thinking the same thing. So, you know, we all know that Russia has a far better, you know, um, forces, right? Mm -hmm. But they are struggling. Yeah. Why? Why? Just like the 1,000-person company struggles against the 10-person startup, because yeah. you just... <laughs> it's all because... Uh, I, I, I think it's all because that they have a sense of purpose. They have the vision. They have a mission, right? And that mission. I don't think is, so. I think it's, it's but, but it's more than that. It, it's not, it's still, it's mission and vision makes it more sound like, again, the leader needs to play a supreme role in the really good stuff. I mean, I'm saying the Ukrainian, Ukrainian, Ukrainian are doing that so well. Yeah, right? yeah, I agree. Because they have those things and they have mm. a great leader who's painting a picture of what their mission is. Stop right there. Right? No. So, oh, no. No. No, go ahead. That's right. No, no. That's right. Well, I'll just keep going. I'm going to show you a picture. Yeah, yeah, go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. So, yeah, oh, to, by all means, object to what I say because that's my learning experience. So, I welcome that. Um, so I think that imposition is, is really, it, it doesn't really work. And how, how do you get people to inspire to do things that they want to do? And I, I believe, I actually, I was thinking about this a lot, and I thought that Daniel Pink's, uh, the three mm -hmm. major things, purpose, autonomy, and mastery, yeah. that really drives people. It's not just the mission. It's not just because what good is you have a mission if you don't have an autonomy to do it? And what good is it if you also people are, you know, we do want to take care of what, how we excel, right? So there needs to be a mastery of where you want to go next as well. So that's what I have to, what I want you to say. And I would like to hear what Dan want to say about mission. Let me chime in real quick. It's also... You, you touched on it briefly, but it's, it's purpose, the mission. Mm. We have to, they know what the purpose and what the mission is. Their mission is to survive. Yeah. It, well, again, it depends where you are at, right? It's not just the survival is the basic need. And we... So, to win and not to be conquered. I mean, we can go... But let's talk about Ukraine. Yes. But... I'm just saying they have a mission. And to keep it mm -hmm. But, but you, they, well, well, I, Ice. in I terms of the survival, they could survive, but they want different kind of survival, right? They, they want to live in a freedom, right? Yeah, right. They, want, they, they want to win. They would have, if, if, the, if they gave up in the beginning, there would be more people survive. 
Survival is not just the main thing. No, they also want to win. For me, you bring out uh, Daniel Pink. I will. I will say that I have a bias against him. I prefer uh, the uh, Golden Circle hypothesis. Bring up and visually bring by the circle of why, how, and what. And I think we say the same thing. And if Scott Adams will be with us, he will tell you like having a goals is for loser. And systems is for winners. So, I mean, the purpose in Daniel Pink's book is referring to the why. Why are we here and doing this? It's your purpose. Right. Then the mastery will be in the in the what. What I am doing, specifically in the how. The how is the mission. Mastery is not necessarily... It's how you do this, I don't know. But, but for me, I think... Like, but the mastery is not, not necessarily just what. Mastery is mastering yourself. Your what? Yourself. You, you yourself. Not That's true. necessarily. But, uh, another, another framework to look at through this through that I like is uh, Joseph but, uh, Campbell. Uh, let's, let's then one, uh, speak up about the issue with the mission because he, he wanted to bring it up and I just went on and then everybody chimed in. Please, Dan. <laughs> me? Yes, you was you were, you wanted to me to stop when I was talking about mission. Yeah, everyone needs a clear goal. Without a clear goal, you got nothing. So, you know, there, there's something in the military called commander's intent. You can look it up. It means I know the general idea of what the commanders want, and when I get on the ground, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna deliver that intent. It might not be what someone else would do. It's, it's what I'm going to do, right? So I'm going to interpret the intent in the moment, and I'm going to do the thing. If I don't know the intent, I, mm-hmm. have, to, I have to revert to practices because I don't really know what the intent is. And, and then one of the important uh, aspects of, an, uh, of the commander's intent is it's one sentence. Like, mm. it's not an instruction book. It's not a recipe. Mm-hmm. It's, you know. Uh, it should resonate. Prevent the enemy from gaining this hill. Like, you know, it's, it's something yeah. like that. It's, uh, it, it should there's a thousand ways that you can interpret that and execute on that and adjust to the situation. And, and that's why it's such a powerful concept. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. So mission, intent, all these things matter. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's a game. It's game. It's gaming. You need a clear goal. You need clear yes. rules, and you need a way to track your progress. Otherwise, it's a shitty game. Yeah, it's just the same thing. It's to set it differently. Goal, constraint, progress, Some people mission. to, uh, to rig the game. It's because they didn't agree, or did they, they agree for what? To start playing the game? The agreement, again. Mm-hmm. So, so Yo, sometimes... Like this, like, this, like this event is a kind of game that Alex invited us into. <laughs> but I didn't put any rules. It's a crosstalk, unscripted, authentic. You ha- you do have a rule. You have a five thirty to six thirty, and you wanted us to start at five. And you're going to open it at five o'clock, and you expected us to be here. Right. And those are all rules. <laughs> all made it. That's right. That's right. I kind of like for me, and because we just do it for the, the passion we have to transform the world of work first and also to, I, I'm sure all of you, I don't know all of you as much as I know Danielle and Sue, but I mean, I, we are here. It's, it's the purpose, right, Sue? Yeah. The purpose to make people awesome. Uh, if I take the value of modern agile, let's make people awesome. 
Um, and then after it's uh, create a space where we could learn and continuously improve even ourselves. Yes, Daniel. Are we going to make them awesome or do we invite them to be awesome? Do we let them be awesome? That, that's right. I mean, that's the, again, so I like this. I, I like this kind of hero's journey framework, which, uh, you know, all of our favorite movies are based on the hero's journey, which is you, right. you, know, you bump into Lucas. a problem. I mean, ask Josh Lucas when he, when he started uh, writing Star Wars, I think he read a book, uh, Hero's Journey or something like this. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yes. uh, he, he read a book. It's, it's from Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Yeah, and uh, and the problem with most big companies and the whole top down thing is the only one that gets to be the hero is the person at top, and that's why it, it's it's great fun for the person on top. It's no fun for anybody else, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and 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 what you want to do, what what startups do so well is they let every single person embark on their own, he own, own hero's journey, and so they that's they get to pick out their own little piece of the puzzle, uh, and 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 solve the problem in in that way, and so. Is that yeah, when the hero box? comes back from the mountaintop? She's she he or she is misunderstood. Well, uh, the, the, the the hero has changed and the world has changed, and um, and you know it, it it may not always turn out the way that, that you expect. You know, the world may not change in the way that you exactly what you expected, but uh, the success of the journey is that you've changed and the, and, and the world has changed. And that's what we all want to do. I mean, we want to, we want to make a difference in the world. And so why, why can't we let people do that more often? How are we going to do this when, when the entire Agile industry is organized around imposition? Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the, the, the principle about the best architectures, you know, the whole self-organization thing is completely lost on Agile. And, uh, and it's more than autonomy. Like there's a, there's a great video that says autonomy is not self, you know, self-organizing. All right. All right. Let's do a thought experiment. Mm. Okay. Silently, <laughs> silently into yourself. Think about your favorite, like prominent voice in the agile space. The person who you respect the most, the most prominent voice, the, the thought leader that you really admire. Okay. Just think of two of them, one or two of them, okay? That's the first step. Second step, ask yourself, where can I find a public statement of their position on imposition? And if you can't find it, then here's what I say. Your favorite thought leader is part of the problem just like you and I are part of the problem. They say nothing, so nothing changes because they're happy with the way things are. If, it's, it's back to my strong monkey. Uh -oh. Okay, give us the strong monkey theory. <laughs> I'm not Terence McKenna, and even Terence McKenna disagree after because it was too much. Uh, because he said like, anyway, I don't know if we want to go there, but I don't know if everybody is aware here about uh, the botanist, Terence McKenna, that revolt against the big pharma and start experimenting with psychedelic. So he has a theory, and it wasn't a theory, it was an hypothesis that if, if the way we are as a species, we evolve that much, it's because we start uh, eating some mushroom, the forbidden fruit in the Bible. Of knowledge of good and evil, and um, 
But the evil seems to win because we are lazy, like the monkeys are. So, I mean, I, I kind of resume because it's a book of uh, 510 pages from Terence McKenna that you could probably see. And, but uh, but there, there's so much into this. But sometimes, even if I have the faith in humanity at some point, because we are great. And I, I, I like to always uh, spark people to do great things. But in the meantime, even if I don't give up and I'm not going into nihilistic things, I think there's a chemistry or a biology to us that make us complacent. And this is why I spoke with executives sometimes, guys, and they say like, oh, I don't like safe. Uh, safe is not agile. I know it. But if I stop and posing it into my 3,000 uh, big corporation, uh, I'm going to lose my job. So you talk about persuasion and you talk about motivation. So the motivation of this CIO or the CTO is about not losing his job. He wants to take his position. So if the CEO has been convinced by, and I will name it, I don't care, McKinsey. McKinsey is the worst, not the worst term. They talk about OKRs, object, uh, excuse me, objective, key result. They don't even know what they're talking about. But they, they put it in paper. They're being paid a lot. I don't know if you know, but in France right now, the Senate, the French Republic Senate is against Boston Consulting Group, Accenture, and McKinsey. Mm. All the bad uh, proposition mm. on uh, management, the states uh, own, um, not just on the healthcare system with the vaccine things, everything. It's been like since Macron is there, it's, it's a mess. It's a total mess. So it starts there. A CEO been convinced by those firms of consulting firms. And the imposition start there. Ah, oh, we have a paper from McKenzie. This is so great. Let's do it because they have an article in Forbes by Steve Dennings supporting it. Oh my God! So you know, so it's it's on. This is and then if I go back to Terence, the stone, uh, uh, it's a stone monkey. Oh yeah, why not? Uh, let's do this, and we we're gonna evolve. So it's, it's, it's this kind of a, oh why not? You know, it's kind of a silent give, giving on things. And that's why I, I start losing faith sometimes in, in humanity because they are compliance. They, as you said, uh, they, uh, Danielle, say nothing. No, 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 no. Let's, let's figure this out together, okay? If you're a thought leader in the Agile space, you're an idiot to say anything about imposition or invitation. Here's why. Who cares? No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Is, is this something that's thinking more, better than us, us five? If, yeah, if you come down on the side of invitation and you say imposition is fundamentally not a good idea, then you alienate all your big consulting trading partners. They is all that what we do tonight. Yeah, they're they're like, oh, that's not good. Don't say that. We're in that business. What are you doing? Okay. I know. And if they come down on the side of imposition, then they look like idiots in light of the principles of the Agile uh, Manifesto and the movement. So the best game theoretical strategy is to say nothing, which is exactly what they do. They say nothing. That's why your favorite thought leader, you know, the one who gets the most people at the meetups and stuff, she's not going to say anything. 
Turn off. Hey, Antonio, you got to go? Antonio's bugging out. Yeah, I got I to gotta, I gotta go. I had a, um, a dance. Yeah, and me too, by the way, because it's, it's coming. Norris Lawyer and Norris Lawyer as the uh, hockey game is uh, happening. All right. Good yes, seeing each of you. Um, Thank you, Antonio. Be well and prosper. Thank you all. <laughs> see all the sound bites is getting out uh, to see if I'm going to um, actually uh, put it into um, the, the, the audio podcast. That's my end, but... So now it seems good, but my feedback tell yeah. me that it's going to be very kind of noisy. So, but, uh, but, but Daniel, on a positive note, that is that there is also movement um, of people resisting what has happened last 10 years, that they start to realize what has happened is not working really well. For, uh, for 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 their teams, oh yeah. So so it it, it took almost ten years, I, I think, because before when I first started it, right, ten, like they were saying that oh this is so great, this is fantastic. I'm like you can complain anything about that's our <laughs> scrum because you know it's supposed to be good, right? But now you hear a lot of complaints. But I heard those complaints from the developers before, yeah, teams before. And I was like, I, why is this, you know? Yeah. So it, it is beginning to happen. Uh, so, I mean, you, you raise a very good question. And it is our, uh, our responsibility and also our, yeah, yeah. It, it, is, it, is, it, is, it, it is something that we need to, to think about and have another movement. Like have another uh, agile two manifesto. <laughs> or something. I don't know. A lot, a lot of people should try this. For me, I'm I, I'm starting to get bored of this agile thing. And uh, this is what I like with the uh, Open Leadership Network because it's everything about common sense, anyways. It's That's everything right. about the uh, what what uh, Antonio says. Communication. Could we just talk? Could we just agree on some things and do things together? Mm. We don't need agile for that. We don't need like any kind of framework for that. No, no, we, we, we don't. Let's yeah, game, but let's have a team, a, a team oh. agreement, and let's build our game. Actually, Spotify did that. A lot of people talk about all oh, the Spotify system. Right, it's Scrum for God's sake. Scrum is the one that you could tailor the way you want. Mike Beadle teach me that. He taught but, me that. Do, do, I mean, do you know the uh, Spotify actually came up with their model after the guy went to exactly, the safe, safe, was, safe uh, training. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I work with a company in Austin. At first, they said, oh, could you help us implementing Scrum? But when they start understanding the subsension and the interrelation of every stakeholders and every third party and everything, they said, like, okay, we're going to inspire ourselves with these uh, base model of Scrum, but they create their own system and it works well. And as you said, it was a startup first, the famous 10% scale type of things. And now they are like a $3 billion company with 800 people instead of 25 people. And it still works good. And the three co-founders are still on the floor with the people. All right. I'm going to offer you something now. Ready? Okay. Sure. By the way. Yeah. Uh, can you turn it down? Kata. That's all it is. It's not the actual thing. 
Yeah. It's the well, that, that, that's right. And I really like what Daniel said, which is that this is common sense. This is something we all knew in kindergarten. And, you know, it's like, like in kindergarten, we all took initiative. Like, you know, there was, think back to your little kindergarten yourself. Was there anything that you wanted to do that you didn't just go out and start doing? And you found out 80% of the time, you didn't care. You just got right back up and you, st- and you, and you kept going. You tried something different. Right. Uh, by the time we're in sixth grade, like nobody does that. And yeah. there's a fascinating, uh, you know, kind of thing called the marshmallow game. And it's where you get a bunch of sticks and marshmallows and you try to build the highest structure. The kindergarten, the kindergartens outperform everybody except for the architects who know about, you know, triangles and, and the power of kind of that. Like the MBAs do the worst. And so this, we don't have to spend a lot of time in training people how to be innovative and, and, and explaining how to, you know, take initiative. Like we all know how to do this. Uh, we actually just need to create space for people to do that. And that's what we fail to do. Yep. And don't and, you know, in terms of new movement, to uh, just uh, get back to see about this, I think like right now in the last five years, I feel myself um, pulled by uh, other movements such as the uh, the blockchain um, kind of protocol movement of people, decentralization, you speak about it a little bit, Jim. I think decentralization is the key, not just for yeah. business, for anything. No, for everything. <laughs> And the, uh, the tyranny of imposition from uh, whether it's governance in our society, this is it. I mean, like, the choice we are going to have, uh, we, we, are, uh, we, we have to make, and, 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 and the, starting right now, 2023 to 2030, is exactly about it. Either you live in smart city, fully central plan and control, or you go in the wood with your chicken, and you're a home vegetable, and then you're decentralized, and you have other means, because it's going to be a two-tier, three-tier society of, of people like this. So I think that that's my thought. Like, if we, uh, decentralization will be the way, and, and for those who, who would like to be told what to do and to be imposed, but they will be able to stay in the comfort of the smart city, completely central plan and grid, and... What have you got? You will give up your power even more than we give up since the last 200 years. Yeah. So that's so, the thing. So, yes. And now, uh, this Jim and will be. Sorry? I have to go. Yeah, me too. Thank you very much, Danielle. And actually, listen up and remember people. Remember people. You are beautiful. You are powerful. And you are free. You are free to be whoever you want it to be. There you go. On this, <laughs> See you later. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Bye. 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 So here you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this hour of uh, this amazing roundtable. I'd like to apologize. Like, uh, we are in studio still uh, with my son engineer, and we try our best to kind of... So here's the thing. when We are not professional... um, Podcaster, we do it for the passion of what we do as consultant and business coach and everything, and and of course I aim to to provide better quality as a volunteer. I get myself nice microphone when I'm doing it alone, but I cannot force any of my guests, you know, to have the Neck Plus Ultra microphone yet, especially when uh, we do it remotely. Uh, not because of the situation we are in still in 2022, but because, anyways, my network it's from all around the world. So we have to. So sometimes, yes, I will require that they have a better microphone. So I hope, I hope for the purists out there uh, that still send me email that I should improve the sound engineering and stuff. We know, we know. But I mean, 
the guests and myself, we do it for free. We do it for passion. And um, and I was live into a restaurant, so you have the background noise and everything. But anyways, if you concentrate on the message and on what we have to say, this is where I want to see your comment, your constructive uh, criticism about this. What is your angle? What is your perspective about this age of imposition and tyranny of process framework within enterprise? Were we right to say that we are all responsible for it? Were we right to think and, and the fact that the executive are mislead by a lot of consultancy firm. Uh, like, look at the scandal right now in government agency with McKinsey, uh, with Accenture, with even Boston Consulting Group. Okay, I don't care to name them. Uh, and Daniel Mezik make it clear, if we speak about it, uh, we could lose some contract. Well, not necessarily. Uh, this is part of the book that I'm writing right now. Uh, the uh, project title is the, na the same name of my program, Next Level Agility. Uh, because I'd like to, I would like to bring leadership, uh, team members, uh, workers, and everything into this. Um, go beyond this agile thing to be into an open space technology, an open space leadership, an open business agility. All right, continuously improving, continuously finding new ways, streams of uh, value streams. And from those value streams, get out with a flow of work, a flow of outcome driven. So that is my motto uh, for my age, my fall in my life and my career about it. So I hope you enjoy it. If you enjoy it, please share this podcast, um, download it and go run with it. It's going to be uh, probably a long run if you run with me sometimes for an hour like this. And uh, we're coming uh, the end of April with uh, maybe a special program. I don't know yet uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like Tim Pool at TimCast.com. Um, I don't want to announce any guests because sometimes the guests have other things or they have to serve their client first and then they don't come. So uh, expect the last Friday. We are always pushing something with or without a guest at the Daily Agile podcast. You could have on Amazon Prime right now. Yes, if you're a member of Amazon on Prime, you could go to Amazon Podcast and download our podcast from there as well. And um, yes, and of course, if you want to see my guests, uh, we're going to put a link to the, um, this uh, live we did uh, both on LinkedIn and YouTube, but I invite you to come and subscribe and hit the bell for our YouTube channel. We are uh, surpassing 500 subscribers now. That's, that's a lot for uh, just an amateur uh, agile coach. Uh, transforming himself into a kind of a podcaster and uh, we are also on rumble because i love to practice what i preach about decentralized platform and uh, less mainstream stuff so uh, all the link will be in the description of the podcast so after you listen to it you could go and click on the links links to my guests as well uh, if you'd like to uh, know more about them and even follow them on linkedin or medium or wherever they are so thank you so much and um, next Friday on the Friday Live Agile, which is
is uh, broadcasting everywhere, Rumble, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, There's going to be the Easter Friday, the Good Friday. Uh, so I might do a live from the Agile Lounge uh, workshop uh, place inside the Crew Collective here in Old Montreal. Uh, just a special live to celebrate our second anniversary of the Dare Real Agile podcast. I might have some guests, maybe not, maybe we'll. So we'll try. So I'm inviting you uh, if you listen to this this week because I am recording it and uh, editing it, cutting room it on this uh, Saturday, April 9. It's going to be pushed into our Blueberry RSS platform right now after this. Uh, so um, I hope you're going to catch it in time to join us on our live Uh, and thank you so much for everyone support uh, by liking, sharing uh, these podcasts as well as these vlogcasts we do every Friday at noon Eastern time if you want to see my uh, ugly face <laughs> so anyways, I love you guys and long live uh, business agility, long live innovation long live the disruptor out there, the dreamer out there because uh, it's because of you that the world is not necessarily changing but evolving evolving no i'm just kidding it's evolving so thank you and remember you are a beautiful person you are a, power, a powerful person and you are free you are free to be whoever you want it to be cheers 